I, I really think that if you're able to be a passive first, it will give you all, it, it just gives you a highway into what to do next because a good deal sponsor will give you all of the financials uh, that the building creates. So you can look at the profit and loss. You can see where the person is spending money or even more so where the property managers are spending money. Because on 109 doors, it's best or it's good to have a property manager. And so going through those is eye-opening and understanding also where the reserve money goes. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here is your host, Annette Talee. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Talee, and my guest today is Rebecca Moore. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you, Annette. It's great to be here. I am super excited to have you in the show. Uh, my dear friend Marisela connected us and you are killing it. Your resume is amazing. So before we start, I just want to read a quick bio because I want to inspire more women to get into multifamily. Uh, Rebecca is the co-founder and CEO of Starboard Equity and a real estate investor since 2014. She has bought and sold over 2,200 commercial multifamily real estate units and has syndicated the acquisition of four properties with over 500 units as a general partner. Uh, Rebecca's story is one of powerful determination and persistence. She shares how she hired a mentor, learned to underwrite, build relationships with brokers and investors to help her win and fund deals in Texas while living in California, all while managing a full-time psychology practice. That is amazing. And now you are free from that job and focus on multifamily. That's amazing. Uh, so I would like to know, how did you get into real estate? Oh, yes, that's a fun question. Well, my husband was a naval officer and he would buy houses wherever he was stationed. And so that meant uh, a few in Virginia, one down in Corpus Christi, Texas. And we you know, were going back and forth uh, across the nation where he was stationed. And when he was in the Pentagon, We've got stationed over in San Diego. And at that time, we had multiple property managers taking care of these houses. And he said, Rebecca, we've got to put these houses all under one roof. And uh, we thought, okay, we got to find somebody to figure out how do we do duplexes or fourplexes, sixplexes? We had no idea. So we went to an REI Expo that was held in Anaheim, and we met this person who was showing people how to syndicate multifamily. And he was from Dallas, Texas, and he says, I got an education. If you want it, come out to Dallas. So almost the next week, we went out to Dallas and decided to sign up with this mentor. And it was the greatest thing that we could have ever done for financial future. The, the funny thing, though, was that my husband, Warren, was like, 
all right, honey, I've got to take over the squadron of ships. And so you go to Dallas and figure out this business. I'm like, really? I've got a full-time job too. But once I kept going out to Dallas and meeting this group of people and learning about apartments and how syndication and apartment investing can take your financial future to the next level, I couldn't stop. It was just so, so amazing how it can really propel, uh, you know, your finances and it's safe. And with the tax strategy, I was sold. So that's, that's how we got started. Absolutely. I kind of shared that with you that I started with duplexes and then I wanted to go bigger and then, you know, double. And I was doing the big thing, right? I had six more units. I got 12. I'm like, wow. And then I thought, how long will it take for me to be financially free if I keep going duplex by duplex? And that's when I found syndications and how, you know, it can help you get free of, uh, you know, give you the financial freedom that if, if that's what you're looking for, right? So amazing story. I, I, I love what your husband did. He's like, hey, go there and do it. And that, that's amazing. <laughs> the deal. Awesome. So tell me, what deal are we going to talk about today? Today, I'd like to talk about my second syndication, The Oaks at Jane Lane, and that's located in Haltom City, Texas, and it is 109 units built in 1967, or no, 1969, and it's a C-class property. Awesome. That was, that was my next question. What class? And, and for, you know, for those that don't know A, B, and C, and D, can you give us a little explanation on how those classes are separated? or define. Yeah. Yeah. One, one easy way to think about, uh, you know, A, B, C, and maybe a D, uh, is the year that it was built. And so typically, um, in the 1960s range is a C-class property, uh, in more of the 1980s, 90s would be a B class. And of course, 2000 and up might be an A class, of course, brand new, if it's very well furnished could be a uh, all the way to a triple A. Um, a D class might be what you might call, you know, a slum, it'd be pretty, pretty, pretty rough in a rough, potentially high crime area. But the B class, those are your hardworking folks that don't necessarily have the funds able to buy themselves a house or they move a lot. Um, they're, they're, let's say, not the teacher, but the teacher's aide. They're not the nurse, they're the nurse's aide. So that type of working fo force people. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, I love to focus on C class and then make it a B class building, right? Like you bought it with some deferred maintenance and then you fix it, you make it nicer, then you can raise the rents and, and make it a B class. Awesome. All right. So how did you find this deal? Well, that's what makes this story just a little bit unique. I was actually a passive investor in Jane Lane before we got it. So um, we, I had watched this property sort of blossom under the previous sponsor. Uh, we, as a team, started to do some interior upgrades, but that deal 
sponsor decided to focus a lot on the amenities that needed to be uh, created there at Jane Lane. So he resurfaced the pool, he put in a dog park, he put in a better playground um, and did boost rents while in ownership. And that deal made us a ton of money. It was a great location. So I loved that deal. And that's what made me want to pursue it even more when he put it up for sale. Oh, wow. Amazing. And then the great part is that you had all the, in, like the inside info, right? You already knew the deal. Mm -hmm. You knew when it was going to go out for sale and you knew uh, probably what was good and what was bad, uh, you know, what needed to be done. Exactly. So I had the confidence that I knew where I could take this building. I knew, again, all the semi-troubles that he had had with it, um, and as well as all the wins that he had with it. So uh, as a uh, you know, starting out syndicator, I knew this was going to be a win for both me and my investors. Absolutely. And it's something that I wanted to touch on uh, because I think it's very important when you participate in a syndication as a passive investor, you are learning so much because you are watching the process in front of your eyes and a good syndicator will update you on a probably monthly or bi-monthly basis telling you what's going on with the deal, what went good, what went bad. And, you know, you are learning as you go. Uh, and and watching it happen, you know, and maybe they may do some mistakes because, you know, everybody does mistakes and then you can avoid those. So tell me a, a little bit about how much uh, being a passive investor help you being a better active uh, investor. Oh, yes. I, I really think that if you're able to be a passive first, it will give you all it, it just gives you a highway into what to do next, because a good deal sponsor will give you all of the financials uh, that the building creates. So you can look at the profit and loss. You can see where the person is spending money or even more so where the property managers are spending money. Because on 109 doors, it's best or it's good to have a property manager. And so going through those is eye-opening and understanding also where the reserve money goes. So many of us on our uh, loans have reserve, uh, replacement reserves. Um, understanding how do you get the money or what money is used for distributions? Uh, what money is used, again, even to pay our employees? What kind of bonuses do you give? What kind of interactions do you have with your manager? So just those are just a, a start absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. all right so let's go back to the deal so what was the listing price uh i don't know if it really went on market but what was the price that they were asking for and how much did you get it for okay um i believe the listing price was uh oh goodness gracious uh <laughs> i think it was 8.9 Okay. And, and what did you get it for that price or were you able to negotiate some? Uh, we tried. It was actually 8.91 that I got it for because, again, being in Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, 
it is a very competitive market. And uh, sometimes you have to compete and, in, and compete we did. Uh, I also had to put $150,000 down hard day one. Oh, so wow. Very competitive. So you were super confident on this deal to be able to put $150,000 down when you mm -hmm. are still going to have to raise capital to close the deal. So it had That's to be correct. an amazing deal. Yes, I knew that there were no bodies buried there. <laughs> so what, do, what do you think was the edge for you to get that deal besides obviously paying a little bit more? Well, um, I think that knowing the broker is essential in this game, uh, having a good relationship with the broker, the broker knowing that I can close, the broker knowing that I knew the um, property very well. And honestly, because I knew the seller, the seller is the person who has the last word on who gets the deal. And having that connection was very helpful. Awesome. Incredibly helpful. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So how did you finance the deal? Yes, I used a uh, Fannie Mae loan. And I went through a loan broker that I've known for a long time. And so we got our financing that way. So did, did you shop the loan or did you just went straight to, to the person that you used before? I went straight to the person that I used before because I, I, I like and trust him and know that he has uh, my best interest in mind. And uh, we communicate well. We're very friendly with each other. And so I... I I like going in that route. I feel like when it comes to having a broker there, he's doing a lot of the work that I can't focus on when I'm trying to get the deal under, you know, working with the lawyers, working with my due diligence. He can do that type of due diligence for me. And that's on a larger deal. Maybe it'd be different for a smaller one, uh, but I don't mind paying him that bit of extra to really take care of the details. Absolutely. I think like once you find that one person that you trust and that you know that is going to close as well, because, you know, if, when you're working with somebody new, you don't know if they are going to close until you do one. But once you find that person and you trust them, you know, it's a big weight of your uh, bag to just be able to hand that to that person and, you know, have them taking it to the finish line and not worry about it. So that's awesome. Um, all right. So, so what was your, your exit strategy for this property and what type of renovations did you do on capital expenses? Okay. Our exit strategy for our group is basically if I can get to my projected uh, returns for my investors, then I'm ready to go. Um, so my investors would like to have eight to 10% cash flow, 80% at least um, as the final um, returns for them. So that would be when I'm ready to sell. Um, how are we going to get there? Well, we're going to continue to do the, in, the interior renovations, but what Jane Lane really needed was a new roof. And so, the, so imagining Jane Lane, they have the mansard type roof, so it comes down halfway on the building. Not very attractive. 
these also had asphalt sheets, okay? So those asphalt sheets began to fall off and it, it looked just haggard and beat. Not only that is that then, of course, water gets in and the previous maintenance man had uh, tried to put the sheets back on using nails and that creates holes. It was Therefore, aiding the roof, basically. Yes, 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 yes. So um, my husband and I, we decided rather than the ugly asphalt doing that again, we wanted to put on new hardy plank. So for those, uh, for the listeners, the hardy plank looks like big strips of wood. It looks very nice. So going um, uh, horizontally across the fronts of the buildings. And with hardy plank, you can paint it whatever color you want, where with this asphalt, you can never change the color. So that was our big project. And to add on to that, we had a green program through the lender. So what the green program is, is you have to make it more green, more uh, better for the environment. Sustainable. Yes. Then you get a lower interest rate. Our lender would have liked to have had us do new windows, but we were able to talk to him and say, look, I, we think a new roof and new mansards would do the same, making it green and would do much better uh, for the appearance and the integrity of the buildings. And he agreed, Woohoo! so that was great. So we got part of our funding for the new roof from the green program reserves. So that was a real win for us. So we put in R8, uh, excuse me, yeah, I think it's R38 installation, which was compliant for the green program and then had uh, the, the roof. So on the top, as well as the mansards redone, plus we repainted the entire building and it just looks like a brand new place. It's stunning. Yeah, and you know, everything, you know, when they are praising the building, the first thing that you see is the appearance of the building. So that gives mm -hmm. you a big, you know, impact, a lot of value, the, the curve appeal of a building. Uh, did you continue the interior renovations? Did you renovate it 100% or did you just do part of it? Uh, yes, yeah, so we are following along uh, from what the previous previous owner uh, did not do. Uh, so we're just going through and and uh, not necessarily doing 100% new renovations because he had already done quite a bit. But for any of those uh, apartments that were not available at that time, uh, once they do open, we will renovate. Yes. Awesome. I love that. Uh, so that's going to keep uh, helping you increase rents and increase the value of the building. Absolutely. That's the name of the game. Right. So did you, was your syndication, obviously when you start, you have a timeline and then, but you said that if you hit your numbers before, then you're ready to sell. Was it a three year, a five year? What was the term of the syndication? Yeah. Our projections are based on a three to five year um, goal. And so we're in our second year and we're doing fantastic. Uh, in fact, I've actually reached out to the broker to see about where we would stand on the sale. So I'm not sure where we are right now, but uh, I'm 
definitely looking. Right. It's definitely a great time to sell right now, right? Mm -hmm. The market is hot. Uh, the, the numbers are high. So, you know, I'm sure that you're going to uh, hit your numbers probably a little bit faster than what you projected initially. Yes, is, I agree. That is amazing. Um, I think this is the first time that I hear somebody that was a passive investor that bought the building after. So that's, that's a great story to, to share. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for sharing. Productivity hack. Um, so now we're going to go to the productivity hack. Uh, the productivity hack is this one thing that you have implemented in your business that has taken you to the next level. So what is your productivity hack? Mine is hiring someone to do my website and a and marketing drip campaign. I can't uh, can't believe how it's helped our business get to the next level. I didn't I didn't really have a very good uh, website before, and I wasn't so sure you know it really did anything for me. But when I hired someone to make a really great one and create that drip campaign, it really skyrocketed people feeling like we were credible like we knew what we were doing, even though we already did, it pushed that out to more and more people. Also, I'm not very good with the technology on the computer. I'm terrible at it. That's where I was trying to get out, again, the drip campaign, uh, meaning newsletters and things that I wrote, blogs that I wrote. Terrible, I'm not good at it. So give it to somebody who is. Yes, it costs, uh, it costs me money, but now I'm not pulling out my hair. So that was really great for me. Go ahead and hire out what you're not good at. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily that you are bad at it. Sometimes it's just taking up too much time and taking you away from uh, better um, things to do. Right. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you I mean, you could be good at marketing, but you just don't have the time because you want to be looking at deals, um, you know, talking to brokers and doing other activities that are going to bring you more deals instead of staying in your office, writing a blog or, you know, a newsletter. Uh, yes. So that is an amazing tip. And I think sometimes we have a hard time doing it because it's it costs money. Right. It's going to be yes. money out of our pockets. But. I think you can agree that once you did it and you spend the money, it brought you way more than you spent. Yes, yes. You can spend your time doing other things that are equally productive, if not more. And it saves you from the headache. So I, I think it's really paid itself back in spades for me, especially that I'm not stressing out about it anymore. They can stress out about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Expert tips. All right. So now we are in the part of the show where you are going to share three expert tips. And Rebecca wants to share three expert tips on finding the right partners. Yes. This has been an interesting road for myself in that my first partner, he did so great that He's, he's moved on. He's in the big league. So he's just 
fantastic. And I'm, I'm glad that I had my time with him. And so now I'm sort of a, a free agent, but it's been a, a, a ride in, in getting to know new people and what you might want to look for in a partner. And so as a former psychologist, you know, I, I have some personality things that I want to make sure that are in alignment with mine. And so for those listeners out there, first of all, you really want to like your partner. You really want to enjoy their company because you're going to be talking to them quite a bit over the next, let's say, three to five years. So listen to your gut really do before you get involved with something with someone if a red flag comes up or there's something where you're saying what make sure that you listen to that signal within you because it could get a lot worse it could become a siren later on another thing is do you have the same business goals as this person is this person a one and done, like they don't want to do anymore? Or are you guys going to be able to do multiple syndications, let's say, or flips or what have you down the road? Or is this person, you know, again, do they have the same business goals or are they, are they uh, willing to put the investor first? Some people aren't. So if you're in alignment that way, that can be very important. Lastly. Are you guys equal in the sense of where you come in at and the responsibility? So one example in the syndication world is, are you equal in, let's say, net worth, liquidity, uh, experience? Um, do you both believe that you can raise capital as well as underwrite, as well as know the lender and have um, the ability to asset manage, being very careful that you're not too unequal. So meaning that if you have all the net worth and liquidity and you have all the know-how and the other person has none, you might not feel very good about the interaction unless you guys have really, really laid out what each person is going to do in the beginning, not after you guys find the deal, et cetera. So having a lot of communication between the two of you of what each other's expectations are is vital. So I hope that helps. Absolutely. I totally agree with the three points that you shared. And, you know, I, I had a couple of bad experiences and I did have that feeling that, you know, Maybe this is not a good idea, but I was so excited and so willing and so eager mm -hmm. to do it that I didn't listen. And now when I think back, you know, everything checked, the background check, and I went to the site and I traveled and I look at the deal and I underwrote it, but I still had that little thing inside me telling me, mm, I don't know. And I didn't listen to it. And then it turned out to be a, a bad experience. Um, and so, you know, I think we got it. You're right. We have to listen to that intuition that we have uh, because sometimes we don't see it, but we can feel it. Yes, it's so easy to get caught up in the excitement and the feeling like, oh, woohoo, this is the one. 
and forget that there's abundance out there, that your good deal will come because a bad deal will feel like it lasts a lot longer and it can be more scarring to your confidence than the good deal that you waited for. But being patient is key. Absolutely. And, you know, coming from a really good uh, partnership that you had, um, how did you divide, you know, the task? Because you were talking about, you know, partnering with people that kind of have the same strengths or not the same strengths, but that they are equally like balanced, right? If one can underwrite, maybe the other one will do something else, you know, Uh, how did you lay out? you know, the responsibilities, who was going to do what, because sometimes you have skills that are very similar, right? Like both can, you know, you always want people to raise capital, but you know, you could have two people that can underwrite and two people that can asset manage. And so how do you divide? Did you guys do it together or did you guys, you know, took one of them and run with it? And then the other one took the other one. Uh, yes. Um, that we've done it differently depending on who we have been with. But yes, uh, you do take what you feel is your your very biggest strength. So for me, luckily, um, I should say I should really give kudos to my husband that he's very good at syndication pro. So otherwise, the um, the software that helps you organize your investors coming in as well as distributions and things like that. So the technical things mm-hmm. he's great at. Um, Many other people that I've partnered with are they're great at the fundraising, which I'm thrilled about. So that's very helpful for me. Um, so yeah, we have usually we have a, a good conversation with our partners about what they feel that they can do best, so we can all feel good about the process and feel that we equally contributed. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and one thing that I have learned um, in the past um, few experiences that, you know, sometimes when you partner with people that don't have a lot of experience and they are not at your same level, then you end up having to explain a lot and they, they don't understand and then they get scared. And so it's, you know, I, I agree that you have to have kind of like the same level. You have to be at the same level to be able to, to drive and to have a successful uh, partnership instead of you know trying to pull the other person constantly uh, to come to to your same level. So uh, I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And where can people find you online? Yes, online we have our website starboardequity.com. All one word: starboardequity.com. Awesome. So go check out her website. I'm curious to see your amazing website that you described. So I'm going to go check it out after the show. And if you guys enjoyed this show, make sure to like it, share it and um, tell people about it. So thank you so much for listening and uh, watching us if you are on our YouTube channel. Uh, And I will see you next time. This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com, where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.